Welcome to the Mariah Piecast. I'm Angela Pansella. With me is Mary-Kate Glenn. Hello, Mary-Kate. Hello, Angela. Mariah Piecast tells stories out of parish farming. It tells stories out of Mariah Pie, which is almost closed for the season. By the time you hear this episode, you may have lost your chance in 2019 to attend Mariah Pie, but you will always be able to come back. It is on Friday nights at the corner of Carter and Mills Avenue, 4.30 to 9.30 p.m. We serve pay-as-you-can pizza made with ingredients grown in the neighborhood. Mary-Kate, you have Angela. been involved with Mariah Pie for how long? Um, three years now. Okay. This has the, been the third year. Okay. How did you get involved? Um, I ended up in Norwood and for other reasons and became aware of Parish Farm and Mariah Pie. Uh, one of the first days that I was around, um, a group of people were putting the gardens to bed by Lydia's house and harvesting, meticulously harvesting very spicy purple peppers and working together and generally having a wonderful time and talking with each other and were um, very welcoming and um, kind of oriented me oriented me to the neighborhood and um, the Mills Avenue area. And so that was my first awareness of Parish Farm in the neighborhood. You mentioned Lydia's house. Tell me about Lydia's house. Yeah, I first came to Norwood and lived at Lydia's house. Uh, it's um, down the street from Mariah Pie, has a lot of connection to Parish Farm and Mariah Pie. Um, transitional housing for women and children experiencing homelessness. And so I ended up uh, living there and working with them for three months and then transitioned into working with Mariah Pye. And shout out to them because they let us use the lot next door to them, which they also own. Exactly. You know, to grow food. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually Marmel's Apartments. Oh, but shout out to Marmel's Apartments. Yeah. And with Lydia's house and lots yeah. of interconnection and support from Lydia's house. What's going on in the gardens this week? Um, the gardens in Norwood, I've not been around a lot this week. I know garlic was planted, um, in Norwood and I planted garlic in Morning View at Mustard Seed Farm. Um, and, and where is that? It's in Morning View, Kentucky, a short 30, 40 minute trip south of Cincinnati. Um, we planted... 20 pounds of garlic. Uh, Jessica, Peter, and Ruby came out and helped. Chris Smith helped, uh, and we got all the garlic in the ground. And it's mulched today, the first day of snow. There's straw mulch on top of it, and now snow keeping it insulated from the 15-degree cold coming tonight. Wonderful. What helped you decide to take on your own farming project in Morning View? Um, to go back a little bit, um, from my experiences working in, in different farms and organizations, uh, producing food, working on food justice, um, community 
access to food, local food, all of that. A core belief of mine is that there's a lot of healing that comes about when people reconnect with the land base Mm. um, on lots of different levels, just uh, reconnecting, remembering that our health is directly linked to the health of the, the land that is around us, our watershed. Um, uh, if not where our food comes from, uh, if you're getting all of your food from Kroger, then, um, to, to see that like the water that you drink, uh, how that the health of the water the health of the land is our, our health. So that, remembering that, um, like kind of healing that separation of identity can be a great source of healing Mm -hmm. for people. Um, and also culturally, like being able to reconnect what I've seen in a lot of, um, communities being able to, uh, connect with land base is a means of reconnecting with culture and, and with valuing cultural wisdom around, um, ways of producing food mm-hmm. and um, traditional life ways. Uh, seeing that in Arizona and Colorado and, uh, and a lot in New London, Connecticut. So all of that background, um, having worked with Parish Farm for a couple years, last year um, I knew that I wanted to find a way to go deeper and continue longer with this community and um knowing that uh for for me for myself to stay more long term I'd need to like find a way of um supporting myself and um and wanting to see if there could be um ways for other people in the community also to support themselves through this what we had been doing in growing food together, sharing that resource and, and also that resource with, with other people through Mariah Pie, through the restaurant. Um, but the folks just growing the food together, uh, that was a really compelling thing to me. So wanting to start this satellite farm 30 minutes south of the city, it came from wanting to have, yeah, our core group community members be able to eat carrots through the winter and feel like there's abundance and, you know, excess, um, and, and not knowing like what Mariah pie will, will look like or what they'll be serving. Just like having this sense of like, Oh, there's a community of people growing food for themselves and a restaurant and a feeling of if there could be like a little more slush room, like a little, just a little more in, in the, the resource pool of food that, that that could be a good thing. And then it was the most challenging growing season of my life. Having um, managed a farm in Connecticut for four years and um, like 10, 10 growing seasons in, in a few different places, uh, coming to this point in Northern Kentucky, this place in Northern Kentucky experienced the toughest wettest spring and getting to meet neighbors around this farm site, um, that, that everyone had, um, 
kind of the story of that was in the news about Midwestern uh, corn and soy farmers, like industrial farming really took a hit this season. Um, people just not able to get crops in the ground. And um, that's especially true for industrial annual uh, food production, like corn and soy. Um, there are a lot of ways in which uh, diversified uh, smaller scale um, organic production or sustainable production <clears throat> uh, is able to kind of weather those dramatic extreme storms and droughts better because if you have 30 different crops that um, you are hopefully going to be harvesting and let's say half of those make it or or maybe less, it's it's better than you have one shot if you can't plant it, you're you're done, you're out. Um, so so that's the kind of production that I I wanted to be doing, and and also planting some really exciting perennial plants. That I would love to talk about hazelnuts and elderberries in a little bit. Um, but in the first year of establishing something, it was very difficult. Trying to get plants established in spring was was a slow slow process, uh, a lot of waiting and, um, not wanting to work the soil, um, when it's too wet, knowing that that is, uh, you know, thinking you're, you're trying to go one step forward, that is 10 steps back and, and not, not a good thing to be doing. And so a lot of waiting and a lot of seeds and plants just kind of, uh, withered in the ground, just being drowned, in a lot of rain early this spring and for a lot of neighbors in the area too. Anyway, so there was the hope of what the that satellite farm site would be connected uh, to Parish Farm and Mariah Pie. And then the, the reality of the first year of the slowness uh, in getting started. But now at, you know, here we are at the first snow and uh 15 degree weather coming tonight i have been harvesting a lot that um i'm bringing into norwood and sharing with uh folks who are working at mariah pie and and i still have more stuff in the ground that is uh mulched and covered and hopefully will be able to eat through the winter and have some more good potlucks together so how do you feel about next year? I feel uh, excited for next year that um, that challenge of uh, trying to start from scratch in year one in, uh, in a year where it was hard to get anything established. Um, now what I do have in the ground, I'm really excited about. So for instance, um, this field is on a uh, floodplain, I guess, like it's kind of surrounded, a lower part of the field is surrounded by a creek that um, usually, uh, historically, has flooded maybe once or twice a year, um, usually in late winter when the um, snow melt and a first warmish rain happens and it's just inundating that creek and it floods up into the field. Um, so I'm getting back to what am I excited about for <laughs> for next year, but um, 
things that I planted this year, uh, like hazelnut and, and elderberry in, in, even in that lower field where it gets flooded, it actually flooded this year twice, once in June, which was, is not the norm. It, um, some folks were telling me that that used to be like maybe every 20 years that would happen. Um, well, it's happened, uh, three times in the past three years. So, um, the, the hazelnut and elderberries that were down there were covered in five feet of water for a little bit of, of time. And when the water receded, they were great. They did fine. They just bounced right back. So to my mind, seeing, well, this is the, the crop of the future climate as things you can get established and um, are still growing and productive after being under five feet of water and, and, and the six weeks without rain that we had, um, they were looking pretty good. So I'm excited for, um, making elderberry syrup and getting all of us, uh, super healthy through the winter of 2020. Yeah. Lots of other, uh, raspberries, blackberries, cane fruit that I got established and, uh, getting deer fencing, solar, electric deer fencing up um, was super helpful. And so also excited about, um, yeah, just lots of crops that will be protected from deer for next year. Um, and doing more alley cropping, uh, which is, so in establishing um, perennials like the cane fruit and lots of trees that a lot of us um, are excited about a shipment of uh, trees coming from Indiana, and we're going to do some grafting this winter. Um, so getting trees established in, uh, in rows, um, but those rows are spaced at the spacing that you're going to want when those are full-grown trees, right? So for many years, until they're that size, you have plenty of sunshine in between in the alleys between those rows and so planting um winter squash summer squash um lots of uh i'm excited for um more root crops beets and carrots and getting these um really fun patterns that i have in my head of what i can imagine that field looking like in in the coming year. In my last conversation, which was with Lyric, we talked about how people in her um, past employment that she talked to about her current life reacted to that. My suspicion is that most of the folks in your circle are already kind of the permaculture nerd class, but there might be some folks that you're describing your life to that go, what is going on? What do you say to people that you're just meeting about? How do you describe your life to them? Yeah, I, I think um, the circles that I'm in are not necessarily, you know, permaculture. And uh, there's some of that. But um, uh, a lot of times, like when I go back to visit family and friends in Arizona, um, what I've described about this um, farming that I'm doing in Cincinnati and, and now in Northern Kentucky and kind of explaining like why I 
have stayed here and this looks kind of different from past farming that I've done in, in different places. Uh, what's been really compelling to me about uh, Parish Farm is the community aspect of it. And so in trying to describe like, well, so I've started this satellite farm and it is connected with, uh, I, I've often used the term like, well, this parish farm, urban farming collective. Uh, and I don't know if that's a thing that, uh, I think Lyric used that phrase when we were doing the farmer's market downtown. Um, just that, you know, a lot of, a bunch of us are kind of doing things that are, uh, separate in, in like, well, each of us are kind of taking a separate role or responsibility in producing whatever it may be, but those things are very interconnected and um, supporting each other. So selling at the farmer's market, um, not just food, but uh, like prepared foods, not so not just vegetables, but pre prepared foods, crafts, um, medicines, teas that people from this community, this collective did together. Uh, and that's what I, when I tell the story of what I'm doing, I say like, well, this urban farming collective, because that's what's um, really compelling to me is uh, in wanting to see change in the food system. I, I can see that happening in, in Norwood, in this, this community, in in very small ways and in prophetic ways. Uh, and I can see potential and, and future. Um, yeah. What about you, Angela? Can I turn that question around? I'm not the one being interviewed tonight, what? Mary oh, Kate. That doesn't work. <laughs> Another time. Okay. What have been your favorite things about the farm and Mariah Pie? Uh, the farm being, um, morning view in morning view. Um, when I, you, you sent me a few of these questions and I, did. I read it before. Um, yeah, I thought maybe my answer to that question should be something <laughs> like, um, you know, sharing, I I, I don't work the front door at Mariah Pie. Getting to see, you know, neighborhood kids coming in. And so I feel like I should have some answer kind of like that, like seeing the neighborhood in. I'm not asking the answer you should have. So the answer that I do have is the end of the night in the restaurant when we're cleaning up. That's just a really good feeling when kind of like when the neighbors all leave and it gets really loud and people are tired and loopy and it's kind of this feeling of like oh we, all this work happened and um a feeling of joy and camaraderie and um and maybe a bit of uh I'm sure for Matt and Lyric and Robert kind of like wow another 14, 15 hour day or more done. Um, so that kind of wonder or uh, like, wow, we did it again. <laughs> um, I, it, it's, it's also the infectious feeling of um, people really enjoying uh, at the end of the day, having helped be part of making that space of 
a pay what you can restaurant where uh, lots of people are um, coming together and eating together who might not otherwise be in the same room together. And, um, but you know, through the years of Mariah Pye being around, uh, are together in the same room over and over every week. And that's, it's really beautiful to see that community that has formed. Um, favorite thing about the farm, uh, so many favorite things. Um, uh, the other day, so this is like one instance of a thing that is a favorite thing being interrupted by, um, a bug or birds being interrupted by God in the form of a murmur of red winged blackbirds. Um, just thousands, like a couple thousand red winged blackbirds, uh, the other day while we were planting garlic, uh, came up from sycamore trees by the creek, by the side of the creek. And, um, just, they were like as one unit, you know, kind of forming these bulbous shapes in the sky and then kind of separated into three groups and um, lighted in three different trees kind of closer to us. Like the whole, the whole form of it was kind of moving toward us. And uh, one group of those birds in a tree, suddenly just that one group, they all fluttered down onto the ground and it was the sound and the, the same visual effect as like all the leaves falling out of a tree and fall all at once. But these like mostly black with a little tinge of red on them, birds just like fluttering down to the ground, just incredible. So I love that even in those times, um, you know, in, uh, in June, it was like an incredible rainstorm and hailstorm that was kind of like ruining all of my attempts to to plant something. But just the power of that hailstorm moving in and it's kind of like you can't help but be in awe and love the beauty of the thing devouring you, maybe <laughs> like you got to appreciate the the mountain lion coming after you. Um, yeah. So it's things like that on at the, that heightened, um, you know, extreme level, but also just like, uh, having worked through the heat of the day and then, no, that's not a thing that I do work through the, the cooler part of the day. And when it starts getting hot and I'm slow and sluggish, seeing um a praying mantis or something and just stopping and watching for a long time and then finding myself back like how much time has passed i don't i don't really know does the um uh, you said that the murmur of blackbirds was a uh, god visit was uh, the hailstorm a god visit as well yeah well i i believe it all is and Every part of it is. How has this work influenced your view of God? So going back, way, way back, um, when I when I first got into this kind of work, um, 
in in Arizona. I worked at a permaculture farm in Flagstaff um, that was on the south-facing base of Mount Eldon. And uh, there, were, there were definitely some moments there um, of of identifying the the place that I was spending lots of time in and that I was eating food from, um, just feeling that deeper connection with it. Uh, and that as I um, moved to different places in order to like to do a, a, a longer apprenticeship and learn like wanting to learn the business side of how to run a farm, um, and, and needing to move for other reasons and like relocating that, that feeling of, um, having, having like a little sense of grief of like leaving a place of like a piece of land that you've connected really deeply with. Um, I think the, the point at which that was the most poignant for me was in, New London, Connecticut, that, you know, four years felt like I was <clears throat> so very deeply connected with this two acre field connected to a, um, to a stream and to a pond that I know I can just like go there in my mind. I know like paths through from, from the field to the pond all around it. Um, and, um, leaving that place where it wasn't just like an individual connection with that place. It was like with this community of people as well of, um, feeling, um, loss of like, ah, I'm, I'm not, what if I never get to see that particular place again, where, you know, years of my blood and sweat and tears are in that soil and that soil fed me and, um, realizing that, uh, leaving and going to a different place is all part of, uh, it, the thought comes to me of like, it's like kissing your mother's other cheek. And so that one field in new London, yeah, I'm very, connected to it and to bring back into the question of um how's this formed my understanding of god through this work um that that process of connecting with land with a community of people and um i i feel like that's a a way of god's presence in the world um, of, of getting to experience that. And, and so the recognizing that, okay, being in a, in a new place, um, with different people too, it's part of the whole, like we maybe don't get the ownership or the, um, we don't get to box in the wildness of God. Um, and so also like our, we have our, our individual experiences and ability or, or experiences of connecting, um, deeply 
with a place, but then also the knowledge that other people are are doing that thing, experiencing God in that way. And it looks different in different places. It's beautiful. Thank you. I love that image of kissing your mother's other cheek. Right. We have to wrap up here. But before we do, I have to ask you if you have a favorite recipe or food prep tip to share. Mm, this was the question I didn't uh, do much preparation for. Um, today, I ate... Okay, so I could share something that this is what I ate today. It's not very replicable. Um, shiitake mushroom logs that I hope more um, homes on Mills Avenue will also get to enjoy. We have a lot of them. Uh, I got some of them to start fruiting. And so I took some, a couple of shiitake mushrooms, fried them in some oil and salt. They were very, very good. Uh, chopped up a tomato and put it on a, um, I had some masa flour and so I had a really, really great taco on this snowy afternoon. Wow. Thank you. Mary Kate, it's been a Thank pleasure you, to talk with you. Come back and see us sometime. Likewise. Thank you. And thanks for joining us for the Mariah podcast. I uh, hope to see you again.